So what I want to know, John, is who covers Andrew Wiggins in the next round? Man, how about it? It's looking like it, right? Well, at least at least a possibility. You know, it's been it's funny. Well, you're right. The Warriors might not get there. They might not. I mean, Denver just won. So yeah. maybe we got Kat and Jokic again. I mean, we know for a fact right now that the Wolves are going to be there. Just, just like I said of, after game three. Yep, yep, yep. It's just a matter of who they're going to play uh, now that the uh, that that everything has swung back the Wolves way now. Ain't no stopping us now. Oh, good Lord. Hey, that was a it was a game three was a blast with, a, uh, of course, a, a soul crushing finish. But the atmosphere is great. Most of the, ba- the basketball was fascinating. In game four, you know, I didn't know what to expect going in. I did. I did question the Wolves ability to bounce back from it. Great atmosphere. Uh, great game. It, it just, you know, big picture. It's just a reminder of how great these, how great basketball this level is. I had this conversation with somebody the other day. They were telling me, well, I like college basketball more. I said, yeah, yeah. that's because it looks really hard. You, these, <laughs> every basket in a college basketball game is this grand triumph of the, of the <laughs> human spirit. Oh, my God, they made a three-point shot from 19 feet. How could that be possible? These guys are flipping – these guys are drawing fouls and flipping in backhanders from 25 feet. They make it look too easy. People can't appreciate it. But then you get to the playoffs, and it, and they're still making the same shots, but it doesn't look easy anymore because somebody is knocking them on their butt every three seconds. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the things in the big picture, Jim, that has really stood out to me is – you know, just the intensity of the games. And then you can just see it worn on the faces of the players. Like they go through it every single game. Uh, they are putting every possible ounce of energy that they have into it. And when they are done, they are exhausted. And I think that there's something inspiring about that to see, you know, two teams just laying everything on the line because they know that this is a very closely contested matchup and that not, neither team can can afford to let up in any way or else you end up like game one where the Wolves just stun the Grizzlies. You end up like game three where the Grizzlies come back and 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 get the Wolves at the end. I mean, there's there's no margin for error there. And the as hard as the players are going, you can just see it. There's a desperation there. Um, and and obviously that is not anything that we see in the regular season. And and so it's just so freaking compelling to just watch these two teams kind of just stand in the middle of the ring and 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 just swing on each other. It's 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 just a lot of fun. It is great. And one fascinating development in game four and that had been hinted at in a couple of the previous games is Carl Anthony Towns is having an easier time driving by five people to get to the rim than John Morant is. And I did not expect to see that. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic point, uh, Jim. Like, I think that, uh, one, um, you're right, Towns is getting to the rim and, and doing a great job with that. I think that what I loved most, and we'll get more into him later, I'm sure, but in, what I love most in game four is that he did cork, uh, uncork some threes as well just to yep. kind of try and balance it out. But – um, you know, with all of the angst around Towns coming off of game three and so, and meant much of it was justifiable in terms of the way that he played, defense has not been an issue for him. Outside of game two, which was bad for everyone, Towns has been absolutely terrific defensively. And he is a huge part of why John Morant is having such a hard time turning the corner, getting to the basket, you know, finding people, um, keeping the ball in his hands and 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 you know kind of getting the acrobatic layups and and dunks that he does so often 
and you, you you've seen towns he sets that high wall with the pick and roll he is he has long arms set that can make it hard and maybe Ja is not quite healthy he's he hinted that that at, at at game four but for whatever for for multiple reasons including towns Patrick Beverly Anthony Edwards and everyone else that they're throwing at Ja he just is not having a very good series even in game one when he did get to the the rim a little easier when he did get 20 free throws and and put pressure on he was not able to kind of balance that and get other teammates involved which is why um you know the the wolves ended up winning so uh when you look at kind of the entirety of the series so far the wolves have done a fantastic job on John Morant and 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 being able to limit his ability to really break them down and get to the rim. Now, that is one reason that they should be maybe a little skittish going into game five, that they were so good on Morant in game four and they still only won by one point. But it is absolutely one of the things that has helped make this series 2-2 going into game five. And it could have easily been 3-1 had they not just completely undressed themselves in game three, they have just really made things hard on John Morant. And, uh, and it's been really impressive for a team that has never played defense almost ever in its life to be playing defense the way they are right now. And, and you make a great point about Morant because that's what I'm seeing uh, sitting courtside is I look at John Morant and I go, okay, they're playing good defense, but he does not look like he's as willing as usual to fight through, you know, to be a pinball, to just bounce mm-hmm. off four people and make a shot. I mean, he does that all the time, and he doesn't even look like he wants to try it right now. Yeah, there was I, I there was one one play, um, kind of in the fourth quarter, I think, of Game Four, where it was kind of a weird one where I think it was tried to save out of bounds, and 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 it, the the ball kind of bounced around and it ended up in in Morant's hands right under the hoop, and he laid it in. But I think some Memphis writers that I was talking to just kind of noticed like there wasn't a whole lot of lift there. That was kind mm-hmm. of a, a tentative play on his part. And so maybe there isn't there. Maybe there is something a little bit that's bothering him. And the other thing that you wonder about Jim with regard to that is if you, we watched the first three games or so of the series, I mean, jaw hits the floor a ton. Oh, a like lot. he, go, and, and there is something admirable about the recklessness with which he plays and him giving up his body to do what he has to do. But he goes down so often. And so you just wonder with a body like his, like does that add up over time? And especially in kind of a a, a series where, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're getting a couple of days off in between games sometimes and, and one game off in between others, but it's super intense. It's a lot to kind of, it's a lot of punishment to take. And all of those crashes to the floor can start to add up over the long haul. So you just wonder if that is factoring into it here where, you know, you just like the body can take only a, so much punishment. And, and maybe that's what's part of what's slowing him down right now is just the constant falling um, and, and, and bumping and banging and all of those things with a, with a body type that is not, you know, um, uh, drew, or excuse me, Eric Bledsoe, you know, it's, it's, he's not a linebacker. He's not Anthony Edwards that way either. He is kind of more slight and, and just springy and, 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 and just kind of lean. And so 
maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah, a great point. He's John Krasinski. This is the John Krasinski Show. This is our basketball show at TalkNorth.com. Pairs well with the Cheryl Reeves Show. Uh, and, of course, we're gonna we, John and I also do the Viking Update Show, and we'll be talking about the draft this week. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Thank you to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thank you to our sponsors, Head Flyer Brewing, TSR Injury Law, Memorial Blood Center, Manscaped, and All Energy Solar. And we remind you the best way to listen to this show or the network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. You can also follow us on Twitter before Elon Musk takes over. And, uh, and uh, well, I won't go any farther with that. And you can uh, see all the shows as they are released on our Twitter feed, Talk North Pod. Uh, so, we've got so much to get to here. Let's, let's go to one of the cool moments and one of the cool storylines, which is McLaughlin doesn't play in game three. And he kind of won game four. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. Towns had to play well for him to win. Mm-hmm. But, you know, J-Mac really put him over the top. And... In the modern media landscape, we don't get to work the room very often. We don't get to like develop personal relations. We get whatever we get, whatever the team allows us to get. Under those circumstances, the interviews following Game Four, Ant, McLaughlin, Towns were really pretty endearing. For sure, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's the, he's a guy. Jordan McLaughlin is a guy that you knew through all season long that just really inspires his teammates, really endears himself to teammates with the way that he works, with his approach every day, whether he's in the rotation, whether he's out of the rotation. And I do think that there is a an absolute respect for um, a player to come in. And it's not like he... Now, you know he didn't he struggled in his times when he was reinserted into the rotation each time this season every time he fell out of the rotation and he came back in he played really really well and in those types of scenarios it can be really easy for uh, a player to say man screw this like uh, you know what am i doing here you're you're every time i go out there i'm performing and then i'm i'm being kind of jerked around in the rotation and and instead he just stayed locked in and he didn't rock the boat and he understood that the team was winning at a consistent level. And so he just had to wait for his time and his opportunities. And, um, and, and then you do same in game three, he doesn't play at all. They lose the game. Um, especially when, you know, you're, when you're a team that has a kind of an historic collapse and you don't get in the game, like that can be enough to be like, man, I'm out of here. This is ridiculous. Like, I need to be in the game. And instead, they get to game four. He gets his time. And not only does he get his time, but he, I mean, he's perfect. He's absolutely perfect. He's not a great three-point shooter. He was a great three-point shooter in game four. It reminded me, Jim, of, you know, this is going back a little ways, but uh, Twins Angels playoffs. Adam Kennedy, yep. three home runs, right? In I a game. There. Like, yep. like not a power hitter by any means, a decent player in his time, not a great player, and going deep three times. Well, Jordan McLaughlin hitting going four for four from three was kind of in that same boat. They were all great looks. He should have taken all of them. And you can argue, hey, maybe a, an NBA player should make those shots. But you know, look, Jordan is not super consistent with that. But and and that's generally not his game. He's kind of more driving dish and doing that. But he stepped up in a huge moment and knocked those down when in an, in a game when Malik Beasley did not take a single shot. 
And so he really kind of filled that Beasley scoring vacuum and and they needed every single one of those po- those points because they won by one point. So, yeah, but to hear Anthony Edwards talk about him that way, to hear Towns talk about him that way, to hear Chris Finch, I think I think McLaughlin may be his favorite player on the team. Like that's mm-hmm. that's legit. And for Finch to say that he was stupid not to play him in game three, um, that's those are the kinds of players that sort of are in the fabric of a team that hold it all together, that keep it from falling apart. And and Jordan is absolutely that guy for the Timberwolves. And I also appreciate Finch. Um, you know, yeah. I thought he I thought he should have, you know, like he in the last 48 hours he admitted he should have called a timeout in game three, which I think is right. Even if it didn't work, you kind of have to try that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it would have necessarily changed the outcome, but I think you got to throw that out there. And he also admitted he should have played McLaughlin in, in game three. Whether he really should have or not, who knows? But but I really think coaches and managers who are honest and can kind of admit that they might have missed something uh, like any human being might under their circumstances. I think they, they earn a lot of equity with their players, the, with the reporters, with the fan base, with everybody. Absolutely, Jim. How many, how many coaches do we know, and there are a lot of them, who, when asked about Jordan McLaughlin in, in game four, would not offer that up or would, yeah. or would get defensive about their rotation decisions and what, you know, what they did, even if it didn't work, even if the, you know, the, the evidence was that they made huge mistakes. Um, you know, instead Finch goes up there and he really falls on the sword. And so I do think, a, I think it's genuine. Like I, you know, I think, especially in the case of McLaughlin, I think, you know, in the timeout, he said what he had to say. I think there might be a part of him that still believes, look, I think that's overrated. I'm not, right. you know, I, you know, I don't, but I, I got to wear it because it, it was the results and it didn't work out. So I'll say what I need to say with McLaughlin. I think he's absolutely genuine and in, in really lamenting or regretting not putting him in to the game when everything was going poorly. And so for him to do that and say it in a public setting and, um, and tell the media about it, and then it gets all tweeted out and, and, and written and, and everything like that. Um, obviously the players see that. And, and so that I think does help it resonate with them a little bit more of, Hey, coach understands he made a mistake. Um, so I'm going to kind of live with it as well, because when I make mistakes, the coach has to live with it. And I'm sure, 100% sure, that that Finch has all, also had a personal conversation with McLaughlin himself. Just, hey, Jordan, I messed up. Like, I should have had mm-hmm. you in there and, and, and told that to his face. And that is the kind of level of communication that has caused the players to enjoy playing for Coach Finch, to respect him, to not get their... Uh, you know, nose been out of shape when they are in and out of the lineup. And, and, and so Chris Finch has a really good feel for that, has a really good understanding of just kind of human interaction and how to, how to kind of uh, foster good, strong, trusting relationships with the players. And uh, that was an, just another case of that after game four of him just fully admitting, you know, it was a stupid decision on my part. I, it, it never should have happened. And, um, and kind of going forward from there. I have a question about another bench player, but first tell me about Head Flyer Brewing. Yeah, Jim, Head Flyer Brewing on uh, Hennepin Avenue, Northeast Minneapolis, right off of, uh, right right next to 35W. And it's a great, great brewery. 
um, that my wife and I have been going to for a long time. They just had their fifth five-year anniversary party on Saturday uh, to celebrate five years in business. Great beers, great tap room, great merchandise. They are right now selling a collaboration beer uh, with me and with the John Krasinski show here at Talk North called Crunch Time. That's kind of like a, a, a hat tip to the Timberwolves, to their um, to their playoff run, and to uh, the pressures that come with uh, you know with playoff uh, games. And so, one cool thing that has happened with the Timberwolves' success is Head Flyers turned into a bit of a Timberwolves headquarters for watch parties. Uh, they are having, they have the game on the big screen at their, at their tap room. It is filling up quickly. Fans are coming out. They're wearing their wolves gear. They're buying some crunch time. They also have a wicked jump shot kind of basketball themed beer. And they have a couple of other cool anniversary beers that they continue to sell. One is five on it. It's a five hop hazy IPA featuring five different hop varieties, including three cryo hops for huge tropical flavor and a smooth finish. They have five layer scoop, a scoop smoothie sour series returns with banana split inspired smoothie sour. I've had their smoothie kind of beers, Jim. They're, they're unbelievable. It's they're so good. And then uh, cryo juicy is their third one. And it's uh, adding cryo citra and cryo Eldorado hops to their classic beers. So go in, have some beers at Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. Um, you can also find Head Flyer beers at your local Metro liquor stores. But hop in to the uh, to the game to to for Game Five. They'll have a Game Five viewing party. Game Six is already guaranteed. They'll have a Game Six viewing party on Friday night as well. Um, stop in, say the John Krasinski show sent you. Have some crunch time. Have any one of their great beers and and enjoy some Wolves games there. Had Steve Terry on my show, Blocked and Neutered, with Jim Suhan uh, recently to talk about uh, the Wolves. And uh, just he's been a blast to work with. Uh, we st- he started off as a sponsor. He's become a friend and, and a great uh, guest that we have on to talk about the Wolves because he's so, <laughs> so in, embedded in the Wolves organization in many ways. Uh, but hey, he runs a business too. If you're injured, call 612 TSR Time. He said on my show that one thing is uh, really is going on in the world right now is motorcycles are getting. Uh, getting hit way too often on the roads. If you are a motorcycle driver, if you or if you suffer any kind of injury, first call 612-TSR-TIME. They will either help you uh, or they will point in the right direction and they will not charge you unless they win your case and they win lots of cases. That's why their business has done so well. 612-TSR-TIME. Thanks also to our friends at Memorial Blood Center. Local Duncan locations generously donated vouchers to recognize community members who give back through blood and platelet donations with Memorial Blood Centers. The blood supply continues to be low, and Memorial Blood Centers encourages the community to make a donation. Your donation will help patients in in need. I made a donation back in December. I was in and out within 40 minutes. It's the easiest thing to do. During the month of April, Duncan is offering all presenting donors a voucher for a medium Duncan coffee for giving blood. Plus, one lucky donor will win free coffee for a year, so don't miss out. Schedule your appointment online today at mbc.org slash donate or call 1-888-GIVE-BLOOD. That's 1-888-448-3253. So I was doing a radio hit before the Memphis series started and somebody asked me, you know, to give them kind of an under the radar key player. And I said, oh, you know, no, Jalen Noel, I think, you know, in a high scoring game where you're, you're playing 
at a fairly fast pace and you're trying to break down the other defense, I think Noel could be really good. He has not played, I don't think. Uh, where did I go wrong? Why is uh, Jalen Noel not playing in the series? Yeah, I mean, that's another one, Jim, where, I mean, I think that uh, generally in playoff series, the, the rotations shrink. You play your better players, bigger minutes. Anthony Edwards is playing more minutes. You know, Russell and Beverly are playing more minutes. Um, and so there just aren't as many to go around. I do think that in addition to playing Jordan McLaughlin in game four, in game three, if that would have helped, I think maybe giving Jalen Noel a look there when they were having so much trouble getting buckets um, in the fourth quarter might have been a good uh, kind of pivot as well. The problem is, and where I don't blame Chris Finch, at least in game three, was that I mean, it's hard to have a guy sit for three quarters mm -hmm. and then the whole then the whole thing is breaking down and you're like, oh, OK, Jalen Noel, go in there and save us um, without a rhythm, without a sweat, without any of that. It's asking a lot. So I, I get totally get the reason for it. Um, but I think in general, basically, there's two things that have factored in. One is you just play your star players more. And so there's fewer minutes to go around. The second thing is. Uh, they are clearly very, very focused on making life difficult for John Morant. And so uh, defensively, um, you know, Beverly Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, uh, even, you know, using Towns in the pick and roll, obviously, that that is a more effective in their eyes way of putting pressure on McDan or on Morant um, defensively than, than Jalen Noel, who doesn't quite have the same defensive chops yet and so I think that is the one thing that is kind of pushed him out of the rotation and then you see because you see like you know, Finch loves McLaughlin wants to play him doesn't get to play him and the the one thing that separates McLaughlin from Noel is McLaughlin is more of a pure point guard and can run an offense and he can dictate pace and get it up and down the floor and Noel is just kind of is more of a bucket getter and mm -hmm. so I do think that the spot for Noel in this series is, let's say, game five, game six, whenever, uh, they come out flat offensively and they can't get going and they can't make shots. You might get, you might go to him in the second quarter to see if he can get some uh, some burn and get some uh, some points, knock knock some shots down and, and and get rolling that way. But to put him in like in the fourth quarter of a game where everything is slipping away, that's a lot to ask. So, um, un, you know, I, I think that right now this is a series where Noel is probably just going to be in case of emergency break glass type of situation. Now, maybe let's say again, what if they if they win and they advance and you're playing the Warriors and you really need a lot of firepower? Maybe they go to him a little bit more consistently um, in in that series. But uh, but right now he's just on the outside looking in, which is unfortunate because he's a really good player who who can help teams absolutely in the right situation. Right. That, that all makes sense. Uh, I want to ask about the refs. Uh, very popular subject <laughs> to talk about. Uh, first, I want, do want to let you know that uh, solar energy is a great way to improve your home, to improve your the resale value of your home. Great way to save money immediately and long term. Uh, of course, there are some insulation costs, but you will end up making a lot of money over the years. And as we head into the, the spring and summer building or remodeling season, when you're considering property upgrades for your home or your business, solar should be under consideration. Uh, most home improvement projects don't pay for themselves till the property is sold. 
Solar pays back regardless of your property sale. Most systems are warranty for 25 to 30 years. After 30 years of operation, solar could have paid back 300 to 400% of the cost. And if you do plan to move at some point, installing solar increases your resale value. Uh, buyers consider electric bills when buying a home. Installing solar panels is viewed as an upgrade. Average increase in resale value is 4,000 to about 6,000 for each one kilowatt of power. Homes with solar often sell faster than those without, and you get a 100% return on your solar investment upon home sales. Check it all out at allenergysolar.com. And now, um, you know, other than his in-depth strategic analysis the highlight of the john krasinski show his manscape ad fellas have you started spring cleaning yet the carpets need cleaning the drapes need dusting and your lawn needs mowing spring has sprung and the global leaders in below the waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants time to clear out your winter bush and join the other four million men worldwide who trust manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code athletic Manscaped has the full package you need for spring cleaning this year. The performance package 4.0 is the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling like fresh tulips your partner wants. To start off your spring cleaning, use the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges. Did we mention it's waterproof as well? No need to worry about watering your grass with this tool. Equipped with an LED light so you know it'll be a major asset to the new shower routine. Clear your holes and smell the spring air with the Weed Whacker. This nose hair and ear hair trimmer provide proprietary skin-safe technology with helps pr- which help prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Finish off your grooming routine with the Plow 2.0, the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. Because if you're using a, your lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and your face, you're doing it wrong, boys. The start of spring also marks the start of Testicular Cancer Awareness Month in April. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of the We Save Balls initiative. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC at manscaped.com. Good stuff. Good good combination of comedy and, and good serious content there. People helping well, people, Jim. That's what Exactly. That's what we do here. Uh, so we've seen a lot of complaining about the refs. Towns going at the refs. Now uh, Now Jenkins going at the refs. We heard, uh, com- we've heard complaints in Dallas, now in New Orleans. When I grow up, I do not want to be an NBA ref. Definitely not. I mean, yeah, l- let's let's start out right there. It's it's a thankless, ugly job to do. And it's also one thing that I, you know, I probably haven't done a good enough job acknowledging this in the past, but it is very um it's very hard. It's a hard, hard job because you look at, you watch these guys and they, and they go in there and they are the best in the world. They're the best that the NBA can find at this. And they clearly make a lot of mistakes or sometimes have very uh, trouble keeping control of the game. And so that tells me that this is a really, really difficult job to do. So I think that understanding sometimes has to be put into place here with things that said, uh, there was a great piece by John Hollinger at the athletic last week about using real data to see the volume of whistles in games across the playoffs and how they are significantly up 
compared to normal playoffs. Normally, kind of conventional wisdom in the playoffs, some of those whistles get swallowed. Maybe it's a more physical game. Maybe it is a little bit more low-scoring game, but that's the way it is. That is not what we have seen in these playoffs. That is not what we have seen in this Grizzlies-Timberwolves series. And I do think that the frustration, certainly that Taylor Jenkins showed um, after game four, which I think he crossed the line. You can't call official arrogant. Like that's, that's unbelievable. But, um, but the frustration that he's shown the frustration that towns has shown the frustration that many people on both sides of this series have shown is just, you don't have to blow the whistle every single time. Just let these guys play. Now, you don't want to let them get mugged. You don't want to let them get clotheslined like McHale on Kurt Rambis or something like that. Like, that's that's one thing. But the ticky-tack fouls, the little touch fouls, those are the ones that I think really, um, you know, enrage anyone who's involved. And Taylor Jenkins looked at the foul disparity in game four and was apoplectic about it. The Wolves could very easily retort that there have been um, – 111 fouls called on the Wolves in this series in aggregate and 99 on the Grizzlies and and say, well, you know, what's going on here? Like, it's not like we're benefiting all the time. I do think they got a favorable whistle in game four, which is what helped them uh, with Carl Anthony Towns, with all of that. But um, but yes, I think that the, 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 the main point that probably a lot of people are trying to make is, look, can we just please not have the officials be the stars of the show. That game lasted almost three hours in mm-hmm. game four. It's just not, that's too much. They got, you got to get flow back into it. And so, um, so that's the, I think that's the biggest issue that we're seeing across the board in this series and in these playoffs. That's what I look at. I, I I'm not going to pretend that I think the r- officials are biased one way or another. I just want to see a clean, fun game. And my two, my two uh, biggest pet peeves about, basketball officiating at any level, and it certainly plays out in the uh, NBA playoffs, is number one, don't call traveling when a great athlete might slide his foot half a centimeter before yeah. he t- gets going. You know, like they called, I think they called Edwards for a travel. He was, he was about to go attack five guys and go to the rim. And, it, you know, his, his pivot foot might have twitched uh, for a yeah. split second. That, I don't want to see that. Then, you know, but but Duke, about. but Jim, do call traveling when Kyle Anderson takes four steps yes. on the way. Like, like that's yes. the thing. Like, I, I remember, like, yeah, I, I was totally with you because, um, you know, they called two travelings kind of earlier in the game, one on Edwards and one on someone else. I think for for Memphis is like, yep. are we calling traveling in the in the NBA right. now? Like, that's a thing. And then we go down and. Kyle Anderson takes literally four steps on the way to the rim and, and nothing is called. And you're like, well, what are we doing here then? What we make a decision one way or the other. Yeah. I, Anderson's was, uh, it was the Euro step followed by the Asia step followed by the Australian <laughs> step followed by the South. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah. I, I've never seen anything like it. And I, I do think also, you know, I had this conversation with Cheryl Reeve, you know, and Cheryl's can be tough on referees. She mm-hmm. wants to see the, uh, the game officiated a certain way. Uh, but she said, you know, one thing she talks to, both Wolves fans about when she's sitting in the stands with them or talks about any basketball fans was you, you not only players not only have to avoid like actually fouling and actually traveling. It's also their job to not look like they're fouling. Yes. You know, I mean, or an official, can, you know, official only, all they can do is look, you know, they can't yes. dis- dissect. They can only look. And if you do something, it looks like a foul. Like I think Towns says that a lot. 
mm-hmm. he might have, he might not have fouled you, but if both arms come down in the vicinity of somebody's arm as they're shooting, you're probably going to get called. Yeah, absolutely. And and Towns is a part of that. And so and here's the other thing with Towns, and I think with the Wolves side in general, um, you can't have it both ways in that you want them to swallow the whistle, but then when you get fouled on the other end, then you're you, you're just like, how can you not call that? Mm-hmm. So you got to have like that perspective of if this is what you want, if you want the players to play the game and to win the game or, or decide the game, then you have to be okay if you are going to the basket and you do get contact and you don't get the foul. Not not the obvious stuff, not the stuff that is like just you're hammered and that's really impinging your way, your your ability to to get a shot off and get to the rim, but like more of the kind of just, hey, this is physical NBA, you better score, you got to be tough to score through someone at the rim type of a foul or, 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 or of contact. Like you got to be okay with that. You got to mm-hmm. swallow your pride and you got to say, all right, this is the way it's going to be. So I'm just going to be tougher next time. And I hope that on the other end, when I'm playing defense, I get the benefit of the doubt that way too. So I can be more physical. And so I think that is the, the, the objection that um, referees have with towns in particular and others with the wolves is like, you can't like ask for every single foul call as an offensive player, but then expect to get away with every single foul call as a defensive player. Yeah, and I, you know more than I do, but my sense with Towns is he doesn't, he legitimately does not get foul calls he should get when he's on the yes. offensive end, but he fouls a lot on the defensive end. He does, yes, yes. And like, yeah, I've said it a lot this year. I mean, I do think that in general, in general, um, he has a case and a beef when it's, you know, he's an all star level player, a franchise level player, and he does not get the same sort of consideration that uh, referees give to Embiid, Embiid, Jokic, you know, those guys. Um, But at the same time, like he has engendered, you know, some enmity toward him for the way that he treats officials. Now that shouldn't in a, in a perfect world that shouldn't affect, they should just call if it's a foul, they should call it. If it's not, they shouldn't. Um, but I, I think that it's poisoned the well a little bit. I thought he was much, much better at it in game four. I thought he game four was the perfect combination for towns of playing with emotion and using that emotion to fuel his game, but also not letting it derail him and not letting it be, him be berating officials, um, you know, flailing into, into defensive bodies, all of those things. That was the perfect mix for him because he's not a guy that's just going to be a robot and just going to be Jaden McDaniels out there and his face is never changing and he's just going going through it. But he can be a guy that runs way, way too hot and it gets everyone out of sorts, including his own teammates. And so he did a much better job that way. And so if he can kind of bottle that and go forward in this series, the Wolves are going to be in great shape. 
Uh, Brandon, take note. We're changing the name of my show, Blocked and Muted, to Engendering Enmity. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It fits too with, with that. It, it, and, we'll, and we'll get the the bitter beer from uh, oh man, the never bitter beer from from Headflyer, and 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 it'll be a perfect combination. It'll be just one life will just be one big party as it always <laughs> is. Uh, look, I want to talk more about Towns because he is the most fascinating figure in this series for all kinds of different reasons. Uh, you know, it, it seemed like you know. Game three, of course, everybody heard you ask Towns, uh, you know, a question. He said, next question about not getting touches. Uh, then game four, he comes out and he, I thought, again, as we were talking about, he played with greater maturity. His post-game press conference, I thought he showed a lot of maturity. What do you think happened in that two-day span that caused him to play differently and sound differently? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, you know, um, both Chris Finch and Towns talked about it after the game. Like he was upset. And the, 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 when he, when I, when he gave me the next question thing after game three, you know, I think a lot of people thought, Oh, he's, you know, he's being a, a real, um, a hole to John. Like, how could no, he do that? Yeah, and and, I don't and, think that was the thing. Yeah. That wasn't the thing at all. He just didn't want to answer it honestly. Yeah. And he didn't want to say my teammates have to give me the ball. Right. And, and he didn't want to be looked at as putting his team, throwing his teammates under the bus. But uh, so he he kind of uh, he he declined to answer that question. But in the days leading up to uh, game four, in the day and a half leading up to game four, he made it clear to everyone that he needs the ball and just get him the ball. Now, one thing that I wrote about, Jim, is that there comes a time in every star player's life that it's time to put your foot down and towns has in general in his career tried to be the guy who is polished who is friendly who is you know fun loving who um who does all of the things kind of you know that way in terms of cultivating you know what he says and 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 his image and things like that um, and, and that's been important to him. That's the, that's the way that he wants to be. He doesn't want to be the brooding star, the Kobe Bryant, the, 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 the Michael Jordan, like that type of a player. Um, and just in, I'm talking in attitude wise, not in right, like, right. you know, hierarchy wise. Um, and what happened it clearly is that he decided that what he saw in game four, in game three, at the end of game three was unacceptable to him and he said listen guys i am the most talented player on this team i am the most efficient player on this team there's no way i should be getting one shot uh in the fourth quarter of a game that we're losing like that's that's impossible and um there are times when you know you want to be a good teammate when you want to support your teammates when you want to do the right thing that way and have everyone kind of going in the same direction and then there are other times where you got to say guys get out of my way and give me the freaking ball and now here's the key to that like if you're going to do it if you're going to go that route and be the guy who says knock this off and get and give me the ball you better score like you better be the one who delivers and towns delivered in game four. And I could absolutely agree. I don't know this to be the case. I'm just going to speculate, but I could, I could see someone on the wolves, you know, kind of hearing this from towns and being like, man, come on, man. Like the, we, what, what, why you got to go this way on it? Like this, this is uh, 
you know, this is unnecessary or, you know, this is kind of ridiculous. But then when you get into the game and deliver the way you did, 13 points in the fourth quarter, Mm -hmm. hitting threes, getting to the line 17 times for 17 shots, like all of those things, there's nothing a teammate can say about it. You can just say, look, like, like Anthony Edwards said, he played like the big, looked like the big, best big man in the league tonight. Mm -hmm. And, and, and there is a respect that comes to you when you lay down the law and then when you deliver on the backside of it. And that was the key for Towns. Had he come out and went four for 15 or got in foul trouble right away and really struggled again, that's when he could have lost the team totally. But he didn't. Like, he came through and he just decided that enough was enough and he had to put his foot down. And that's what he did. And it turned out to be just, you know, the biggest factor in them winning game four, in addition to him playing great defense once again. So he's doing it on both ends and he is delivering offense when the the, the Wolves need it, when it dries up. And I just think it was a, it could be a seminal moment in Towns' career if he's able to build on this going forward. No doubt about it. Uh, great stuff from John. We have one more topic to go. Thanks again to Headflyer Brewing, TSR Injury Law, Memorial Blood Center, Manscaped, All Energy Solar, and our producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, can the Wolves package maybe three or four future first-round draft picks, send them to Memphis, and in exchange have Stephen Adams play more minutes? <laughs> Absolutely. I think, uh, like, to me, that's what you would, you would, you would mortgage all of your future for that at this point, because, uh, you know, Jenkins went to him again in the, I think in the second quarter for just a few minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that was the key is like getting, I think Memphis getting him out of the lineup, um, it, it has kind of given them more of a chance. Had he stayed in, had Taylor Jenkins been a little more stubborn and stayed with it, they'd have no chance in the series. I'm, I'm confident in saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if they can, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe some sort of like top three protected lottery picks and some, uh, you know, it, uh, some cash usually works, right? Like, you know, send some cash that way too and, and get Steven Adams playing 25 minutes again. And uh, like, let's finish the series in six and go on to golden state. Do the Wolves not have a history of paying people under the table? They do. Hey, they, they, they've done it before. They can do it again. Absolutely. So I, I'm, I'm not ruling anything out at this point. Great stuff from John. As always, it's been a blast to talk to him about uh, such an interesting team, such an interesting series. John's going to be in Memphis for Game 5. I will be in game uh, Memphis for Game 7, I believe, if they go that far, and they very well might. Thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate it, and we'll be back soon with more. Mm-hmm.